0: Hello, and welcome back to Outnumbered the Podcast. Today, in episode 101, we get the privilege of interviewing Becky Bodwin. Now, if there's one thing, as you all know, that Bonnie and I love to introduce into the chaos of motherhood, it's joy. And our second favorite thing is probably humor. That's why we're so delighted to have Becky Bodwin with us today. She is an expert at teaching everyone how to find humor in the chaos of motherhood. So we hope this episode helps you find humor in your chaotic motherhood journey.
1: Hello and welcome
0: to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie and I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt to uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. Okay, everybody, we're back with you again today, and we have a really fun guest episode. Today, we have Becky Bodwin with us, and we're super excited. She's the author of Enjoy Every Minute, and we can't wait to share with you everything that she has to say. So welcome, Becky. Hi, thank you for having me.
1: We are super excited to have you. Um, I especially can't wait to hear you talk about uh, that title of your book because we've talked about those... uh, fun things that other moms say to each other, right? Like, enjoy every minute. I just love that title so much. So that's going to be fun to chat about. Yeah. Um, but to get to know you just a little bit better, we always ask our guests to share a humor segment, some sort of funny mom moment that you have. Do you want want to share something with us?
2: Sure. So I was thinking about this, and I think something that I realize now, how funny some things were that I did, like, way back when my kids were really little that I didn't think were funny at the time. But um, so when my girls were little, I was totally into the drive-throughs. I hated taking my kids out of the car, having to go into the store. So, I mean, I would drive 15 minutes further away just to go through a drive-through, dry cleaners or whatever it might be, rather than having to park the car and drag my kids in.
0: Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, and one thing I would always try to do at Walgreens when I would have to go through and get a prescription, because, so I have three daughters, and one of my daughters had strep throat like seven times in one year. So I was at the doctor going to get medicine. And I would always try to get them to sell me stuff through the drive through when I was picking up the prescription. (laughs) You know, and I would beg them. I'd say like I I just I I need some children's Tylenol. Can you please sell it to me? I don't want to have to bring my kids in and they would always say no. And one time I actually tried to return a package of ladies underwear at the drive-through pharmacy because I had bought the underwear in the, in the, in the store, you know, the last time I had had to drag my kids in there, I saw the underwear and I needed them and I bought them, but they really didn't work for me. And I, you know, it's, it's like, I knew that the guy was going to say no, he was like a 20 year old guy. And I was shameless. And I was, Absolutely desperate, but I tried anyway. I just said, will you please return this, this package of underwear for me? And of course he <laughs> said no. And now I think about that and I'm like, it's just the desperation of being sleep deprived and not wanting to get out of my car. That is awesome.
1: (laughs) I used to go to every drive-through possible as well, especially after my first. My first was a C-section, and I remember thinking, if I have to get out of this car and haul that car seat out with my broken ab muscles, I'm going to cry. So where where can I go? Where can I? (laughs) I'm like, isn't there a place that sells milk through the drive-through? I'm crying. I not get out of this car.
2: (laughs) I know that would be the best Mm -hmm,
0: for sure. Oh, Becky, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that with us. And now we want to back up a little bit and have you tell our audience, you mentioned you have three daughters, but tell us about you and your family and also your book.
2: Yeah. So I've been married to my husband, Bernie, for 26 years, and we were just chatting before. Um, He is Mexican and French, and those are my two favorite kinds of food. So um, that's kind of just a fun thing about our family. We have um, that kind of multicultural interests there. And we have three daughters, two of them are in college, they actually go to the same school in Michigan. Um, And my oldest daughter is graduating this year and getting married and moving to England. So it's kind of like a year of like huge milestones, excitement, and I'm going to get my heart ripped out pretty bad. So it's going to be really a mix of all those things. And then our youngest daughter is a sophomore in high school. And, um, the book is called enjoy every minute and other ridiculous things we say to moms It came out in august and um i've actually been writing and speaking to moms for about 10 years on various topics and parenting is one of the topics i talk about so super excited
1: oh i love that but so sad that your daughter's moving too is she marrying someone from england or something's just taking them there
2: well and it's not that sad it's actually a great opportunity it's only for a year he is doing grad school in england and he was actually gonna go and they were gonna be away from each other for a year and get married after he got back. But because of COVID, he had to push all of that off a year. So it's really, they're moving their wedding up a little bit, but the great thing is they're gonna get to go and be together for their first year of marriage in England and then they'll come back here is the plan. Oh yeah, that yeah, is so much so better. it's good. It's and you're good. not yeah. losing her
1: forever. She's coming no, back. No, I'm not. And I okay, am good. gaining <laughs> a
2: son and he's awesome. So it's it's mostly exciting. Super exciting! Yeah, so fun. Okay, yeah. so
1: so let's go back to your book a little bit. Um, I, like I said, I love the title. Uh, we're always joking about how, what the dumb things that we're going to say to young moms when we get old too, and miss the baby stage, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I'd love to hear just a quick overview of your book. Maybe just kind of a rapid summary of the table of contents. What we sure. what we can expect from it?
2: Yes. So there's twelve of these kind of cliches or myths that I touch on. And, um, the first one is enjoy every minute because the time goes so fast. And that is what young moms hear all the time. And now I have to kind of bite my tongue to Mm -hmm. not say it sometimes, because as is true with a lot of these, there is some truth in it. You know, when you can look back on those years, you think that they went fast, but it's impossible to enjoy every minute. And it does not feel fast when you are in the thick (laughs) of it and you are raising the kids. So, and then to go a little deeper, I think it's a lot of pressure, on a mom who is maybe really exhausted and overwhelmed um, it can turn into really negative self-talk. Like what is wrong with me? Why am I not enjoying my kids more? I shouldn't be struggling so much, that kind of thing. Um, So that is one. Another one is if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I (laughs) always disliked that. It kind of goes along with happy wife, happy life, but I feel like it puts an unfair burden on moms to sort of like always have a smile on their face and we got to hold it together because if we fall apart what will happen to everybody else and um in this chapter it's one of my favorites because i really i I share a lot of stories from other moms other moms actually shared stories with me on depression their struggle with depression and anxiety Um, we talk about mom guilt in this chapter which is huge and sort of just the permission that moms i think need to be honest about where they're struggling or maybe the hard seasons. Um, So that is one. Another one that I wanted to include is just wait until they become teenagers. that is one that fills moms of young children with dread, you know? And it's like, it's such a strange thing to say to a mom who's got all these little kids that are out of control to say, just wait till they become teenagers. And, um, I have a sister that has five kids. And when I told her I was going to include this in the book, she said, Oh, good. You know, will you please give us hope that those years are not going to be completely awful. And, um, So that's exactly what I do. I have some other people weigh in and I talk about there's certainly some challenges in raising teenagers, but there's a lot of fun too. So I really talk about what I enjoy about the teenage years.
0: I am so glad you included that chapter in your book because I have to tell you what, my favorite part of parenting has been parenting my teenagers. And, and I just, I'm like you, I just can't stand it when people say, wait till they're teenagers. Like if you're going to say that, say it with a lot of joy and enthusiasm in your voice because that is awesome oh, time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so great to hear. Yeah, I think we got to tell the whole story. There's certainly reasons why people say that, but you got to tell the whole story and tell the good part too.
1: Right, yeah. right. And, and I wish I could tell people, listen, if you're scared of the teenage years, just realize there's no more wiping bums. There's no <laughs> more, no more rocking anyone to sleep. There's no more having to get a babysitter every time you need to run to the grocery store. It In so many ways, it is fantastic. Yeah. Each stage has its troubles, but <laughs> I'm really yeah. enjoying the older kids for sure.
0: You'll, you don't have to answer questions like I got from my three-year-old the other day. Why is pink, pink? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. And what's the answer? I'm curious. Yeah. I
0: don't know. I don't know. And it's of course right while I'm trying to, you know, change a baby's diaper and get supper on at the same time, or something. You know. Yeah. So,
1: I
2: don't know. Take We're going have to
1: philosophize after dinner. Sorry, honey. I can't help you.
2: <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, and I think with with um, with parenting teens, that's when I feel like I've really gotten to see my my daughters become. The people that they are, their humor, and I think if you can learn to connect with your kid, with each child, you know, through that season, um, they become amazing people, and you get a front row seat to to see that and to experience that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good it's it's really a good season.
0: We often talk on the podcast. I often mention my twenty year vision, and it's just the concept of wanting aiming at what I want our family to look like in 20 years, but it starts, I think the beautiful part of helping your kids through teenagehood is that is such an amazing basis foundation for a friendship with them in the future is that you've helped them through teenagehood as opposed to, Oh, the opposite, you know, you were like enemies during their teenage years. And then you're supposed, that's supposed to be the foundation where you go and build a friendship off of it It just doesn't, it doesn't play out very good in a 20 year vision.
2: That's really good. Yeah. That kind of leads into another myth that I talk about that's um, stay balanced, you know, is the thing people will say. And that would be great if you could actually figure out how to be balanced in the first place and then stay that way. But it's just I think being a mom and being a parent is just it's kind of like surfing. It's like you're just constantly having waves that are changing and falling off your board and getting back on. Not that I've ever surfed in my life, but it's how I imagine it in my head. (laughs) And one of the things I talk about that's so similar to what you just said is I kind of go in a 10-year increment, but like even looking at our calendars, which have been completely disrupted because of COVID for a lot of us, but once things are open and we're able to get back into it, I know so many of us will jump right back into the hectic, busy life of our calendar being crazy and this idea that think about what you want your family to look like 10 years from now. That's going to happen based on what we fill in those squares on our calendar and how we're spending our time and where we are putting our attention and our efforts. And um, so I love how you would just explain that because I totally agree with that. Um Another one that I believe is really uh, important is this idea that kids come first, you can work on your marriage later. So for those of us who are trying to build a healthy marriage, I just talk about the importance of putting your marriage first and moving it to the front burner because it's just a natural thing, I think, for that to get pushed to the back burner. And you think, you know, someday it'll be easier. But I've been married for 26 years now and there's a lot of people, I think, in this phase of life that, um, are finding they might not have much of a marriage left because they didn't really pay attention for many years. So I just think that's something that's super important to do.
1: Oh yeah. I I'm glad you brought that up. We recently started a a series on marriage specifically with kids. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think you're right. I think very often we're like, well, these little people need us so acutely all the time. Um, and yet it's, quite common for people, for couples to uh, get to that stage where their kids are all gone. And all of a sudden their marriage is, is non-existent. Like they yeah. don't remember what they even liked about each other, which is so sad, but it, it really does require a priority. And if it's not at the forefront and the kids will just trample all, all over it, all over those marriage priorities, unless you, unless you take stand, you know?
2: Yeah. Okay. So one that I really wrote about that I hear all the time is the most important thing is that your kids be happy. And that's sort of like something that I hear all the time. And of course, as a mom, I do want my kids to be happy, but that's not the most important thing to Mm -hmm. me. The most important thing to me, um, is that they grow and that they even have to go through sometimes difficult seasons in order to grow. And sometimes doing the next right thing does not bring happiness. Sometimes doing the next right thing is hard and, um, following what's going to make us happy sometimes will lead us into trouble. So I kind of talk about the, I think the better wisdom that is, um, is underneath that, which is maybe changing the focus from just having our kids be happy all the time to really wanting to help them develop the character that they need and the resilience that they need to face difficult times in life and, um, to make wise, good decisions.
0: Yes, that is so important. That is such a good point. Um, you know, I've heard some of these, uh, I don't know, what do you call them, platitudes? Yeah. I've heard, heard some of these platitudes before and, you know, kind of been bugged by them, but not really known why. Like, why does that bug me when people say, oh, it's just so important that your kids be happy? Well, that bugs me, but why? So it's really <laughs> it's been neat to look through your book and, and, you know, read through your logic and your reasoning and your, your deep insightful thoughts on these different things that are said to moms.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: We want to know, so why did you decide to write your book, Enjoy Every Minute? Like, what was the impetus that pushed you to instead of go from just sharing with moms and speaking engagements to actually writing a book?
2: Well, I started writing um, 10 years ago. I had a column in Chicago's Daily Herald newspaper called A Mom's Point of View, and I had a wonderful editor. It's really where I cut my teeth kind of writing stories and being able to share you know, out of my own journey. And, um, by far, I would say my most popular column or the one that was the most, uh, had the most response from was called mom myths. And it was right around mother's day. And I wrote about four or five of some of these myths that I've just talked about. Um, and I ended up turning that into a talk and that was really my first talk that I did to mom's groups. And over the years, as I have spoken on different topics, like marriage, parenting, Faith, different topics like that. My, one of my favorite things is to then be able to sit in on some of the discussion groups afterwards and listen to moms talk about their takeaways and you know what they connected with from what I shared. And I feel like I got have gotten a good sense over the years of where moms are at and what they're struggling with and where they need some lightheartedness. And so I've been collecting a lot of these stories over the years, and I felt like these twelve. Cliches was just a perfect way to structure the book and give it sort of a, a framework for me to be able to talk about a lot of the things that I feel are so relevant and um, and needed for moms right now.
1: Oh, that's super cool that you got a chance to kind of get some feedback. I think a lot of us, um, kind of in the blogger or podcast sphere, we put out a lot of content, but I love hearing back from moms. Like, what are you personally struggling with, and and what content would you like to see more of? That's really awesome. Okay. Okay. So my next question is, um, kind of a tricky one. And we've noticed through your book that you have a unique take on this question. So we're going to ask you, um, if in your mind, do you think that a mother's love is truly pure and selfless or, and should it be? So that's, that's kind of a heavy one, but weigh in on that for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. So this idea even, I would not have even thought of this myself, but I was in um, a women's church group, like a Bible study years ago, and we were sitting around talking about parenting and one of the, the older women at the table, she was actually a grandma at that time. She kind of like shook, she kind of nodded her head and just said, you know, a mother's love is the only love that is totally pure and selfless. And some of the other moms agreed. And if I had like taken a sip of my coffee at that moment, I think I would have sprayed it all over the table because <laughs> I, just thought, like, I would never, ever even think to say that. I think because I'm, I'm aware enough of my own brokenness as a mom, of my own flaw, I'm a deeply flawed person. I think everybody is deeply flawed. So here's what I think is true. I think it is absolutely true that a mother's love is very unique and very special. When I think about my mom, who's not with me anymore, there is definitely, she is in a class all of her own, you know, very, very special and unique. And I think that I want moms, I want us to know our value. I want us to know our worth and that we are irreplaceable in the lives of our children, but we are human and we are flawed. And the only love that is perfect, I believe is God's love. So I think we need his help to know how to love well and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just think that we need grace every bit as much as every other person on the planet. So there's sort of this, I think it's a, it's a both and it's being able to know our value, know that we are irreplaceable, but also to be able to just acknowledge our flaws and that we are not perfect. We're not going to get it right. And there is grace for us too.
0: That is such a good segue into our next our next question we wanted to ask you because a lot of times I think you mentioned before that us moms end up beating ourselves up when we do make those parenting mistakes and when we our eyes are open to our how our love is not truly pure and selfless. And so we end up beating ourselves up and a lot of negative self-talk. And But you, but in your book, you share how our parenting mistakes can work out for good in our lives and the lives of our children. And we want you to share that with our audience because one, one segment of our audience that we always try to take a special minute to, um, speak right to is the young overwhelmed mom, because Mm -hmm. both Bonnie and I have been in that position.
2: Yes. So in the book, I tell a story of, um, I have a friend named Trisha who last year, her son, Jack was in first grade and she goes to pick him up from school one day and she hear, she overhears the mother standing next to her say, oh, my little girl was so excited about Super Reader Day today. She couldn't wait. And when Trisha heard that, like her heart sank and she just thought, oh, I forgot. I got the emails and I forgot to send Jack to school with his favorite book, his favorite stuffed animal. I mean, it's like the moment that all of us would just feel so terrible. And Trisha did. And when Jack came out, she... She said, you know, he seemed like he was fine. And so I asked him about his day. I asked him about super reader day. I said, I'm so sorry, I forgot. And he said, you know, it it was disappointing. I was confused when I opened up my backpack and I didn't see my special stuff. Um, But I went to my teacher and I told her that my mom forgot my stuff <laughs> and uh, she had me pick a book from her bookshelf and she had me pick a stuffed animal from the bag that she had brought of extras. And I just sat on the floor in the gym and I read my book and it turned out to be okay. And, and Trisha said, I am so sorry. And he said, it's okay, mom, I forgive you. And when she told me that story, I was struck by a couple things. I thought, first of all, Trisha has taught her son what it looks like to be gracious he understands that people make mistakes, but the other part of that was he went to his teacher. He problem solved. He was able to, to figure it out with his teacher, and it didn't wreck his whole day, and I just felt like I wanted Trisha to be able to see how even in our mistakes, even in the things that we don't get right, how... It can help our kids. It can prepare them for other times in their lives when they're going to be disappointed. It can help them learn how to become flexible humans that don't fall apart when everything doesn't go perfectly. It can help them become resilient. And then taking it even further, because of my my faith framework, I really truly believe even my most awful flaws and my brokenness, and I talk in the book about my struggle with anger and with, you know expressing anger in a way that has been hurtful to my children at times. But when I can come back and I can own that and I can ask for forgiveness and I'm sort of in this process of allowing God to heal me and change me, I see how that can be used for good in their lives as well. Because nobody is going to be perfect. They're not going to marry perfect people. They're not going to have perfect bosses at work. Um, They're going to be living with imperfect, flawed people the rest of their lives. And so I just, this sort of, being able to release it and just say, even in the times I mess up, it can be used for good.
1: Oh, that is so powerful. I've I've thought about that concept a lot recently as well and and thought, you know, it would kind of be actually giving my kid a disservice if I were perfect, because then they'd walk around expecting everyone to fulfill their needs just like mom did. Right. And it's that's kind of tongue in cheek, but also really, I mean, if we were designed, if we were supposed to be perfect, I think, the world would have been designed a whole lot differently. We wouldn't be raising other humans. We'd maybe start out with cats or something. I don't know something <laughs> that we couldn't screw up quite, quite so royally. But yeah. Um, but I love 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 that thought. That um, more than anything, the importance comes in in the apologies and the forgiveness and the and the willing to try again. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So another thing we wanted to mention about Becky and her book is that there's quite a bit of humor, which I I honestly don't think you can talk about motherhood without a little bit of, you know, sarcasm and a little bit of humor. So Becky, share with us a few ways that you find humor and joy in the day to day mothering or especially with younger moms who who feel stuck inside the, the routine. How can they find more humor?
2: Um, well, certainly having other mom friends to be able to, to share, to share with and to laugh with, but I, I think learning to laugh at myself because my kids are already laughing at me. So if I can just (laughs) learn to kind of laugh along with them and, um, I will tell you something, my daughters as you know, they're, so they're 20, 22, 19 and 15. They are each hilarious on their own, but when they get together, Oh my gosh! I mean, it's like pee my pants kind of laughter when the three of them are together. So I think being able to optimize their sense of humor as they as they get older, and being able to connect with them, and I have um, also really taken advantage of texting because, you know, when your kids are old enough to have their phones and you're able to kind of connect with them in that way. Definitely, do not recommend trying to have a hard conversation or an argument over text. But if you can use humor and just shoot little um, funny little things or pictures or um, quotes that you see or whatever, and it's different for each kid, but to have that kind of banter, I think is really important. And then again, just to, I mean, to not do motherhood alone and to have friends that you can laugh with and that you know will help you find the humor in some of the things that maybe in the moment you can't see it.
0: Yes, that is an amazing tip. That's communicating with them on their, not their level, but their, like their generation's platforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, like it means more to them when you go the extra mile to learn, oh, I don't know, For my teenagers, I found out they think it's funny, but also cute if I use some of their,
1: <laughs> I lost the word. Let's What's slang. the word or something?
0: <laughs> yeah, their slang or their. Their, their favorite emojis oh, or yeah. gifs or, or mm-hmm. their, um. They're abbreviations, you know, yeah. how they do like the letters, LOL, or, you know, yeah. like.
1: <laughs> to like, oh, the old lady's using some cute teenage stuff.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Admittedly, I had to go Google to find out what that meant before I used it. But yeah, I'm going to yeah. use that. <laughs>
2: that's actually so true. And it's funny when, when I'm trying to learn, like I remember a while back, trying to learn the right way to use the word extra. Like, well, that's extra or she's being extra. Like, I still don't exactly know, but I've tried. And there have been times I get it right and they're like, wow, mom, you know, and then there's times that i don't they're like no that's not right so (laughs) just kind of like trying and there's one more thing we do at our house too is we speak in accents like um i've always enjoyed doing that but my kids are even better at it than i am so once we get going with that like foreign accents like british accents or southern accents (laughs) or whatever just anything to kind of to kind of have fun and be silly and uh but yeah
0: yeah. There have been times where my teenagers have said to me, please do not ever use that word in that context again.
2: <laughs> yeah. my mom. Not with other people, especially. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
0: All right. So we want to go back kind of a little bit back to this idea um, that motherhood is the hardest job in the world. We know you have a good take on that and we want to hear it, but it It brought it to my mind when you were talking about making our parenting mistakes work for our good and how we can, you know, use our mistakes to change. And like sometimes to some overwhelmed moms that can look like just another thing that they have to do Um, added on to all the care and everything that motherhood takes. And like they're feeling really overwhelmed. But I, I would love for you to share your take on the idea that being a mom is the hardest job in the world.
2: Yes. And this is kind of the one that's a little bit hard. I'm like, read, just read the chapter because I really unpack it because that's the one that I think we hear that all the time. And it's, it's taken as it's just like, you know, for a fact, being a mom is the hardest job in the world. And here's my take on that. It's just, I haven't had every job in the world. Like, you know, it's one of those, it's like, there's jobs I can think of that I wouldn't even want to try like um, being a coal miner, for example, that's like one of the hardest jobs in the world or being a podiatrist. I have like a real problem with feet and I'm like, there's no way that I could be a podiatrist. And I think, you know, it's hard being a dad, too. It's like, how do dads feel when they constantly are hearing being a mom is the hardest job in the world? So. This one is a little bit like, you know, I will give it maybe 90%. You know, it's 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 really, really hard being a mom. And I think what's underneath this this thing that we say all the time is this incredible need for validation. We moms are so hungry and craving validation because we just need people to see how hard it is. So yes, we need the validation. But I also think that there are some things that we do that make our job harder. And a couple of th- the things that I talk about are comparison, and uh, most moms I know struggle with this. And especially if you're on social media or you're looking around, and it just kind of seems like other moms are—they're doing a better job than you, or they've got they've got more to work with than you, or they've got this, or they've got that. And when we compare ourselves, I think the the real danger is we become discontent with who we are and what we have. And it makes our job a lot harder. I even had a friend who said, When I hear, you know, like one mom talk about her son who did this amazing missions trip and he went and he's serving the poor and he's doing all this, and I'm looking at my kid and they're just playing video games and they don't seem to be that interested. It's like even comparing where our kids are at, and it's just not fair. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I think that we do that makes our job harder is we isolate, especially. Um, When we're having a hard time, because we think other people are doing fine. And um, now, especially, I just think to be able to open up and just to connect with other moms and to share and realize that you're not alone, will make our job a little less difficult.
1: Oh yeah. I love all those tips. I especially love that you, that you're sharing that there are ways that we actually make our own jobs harder. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that, that motherhood is so hard is because most women want to be amazing mothers. And Mm -hmm. so we're constantly critical of our, our own mothering abilities. We're constantly comparing like, oh, should I be like her? Should I be like this? Um, but But to just try to find peace in the fact that we're the mothers that our kids need, and we're going to do the best we can, and we're going to know that grace is going to make up for the rest because we're going to do a lot of screw ups, and that's and that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Well, Becky, those are about all the questions we have for you today. Would you like to share with our listeners where they can find you if they want to learn more about you and and purchase your book?
2: Sure, Um, you can find my book on Amazon. The title is "Enjoy Every Minute" and other ridiculous things we say to moms. Um, my website is Becky dot It's B E C K Y B A U D O U I N. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the same name as well.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll include her, links to her book and links to her website in the show notes. Becky, again, thank you so much for joining us and for all of your wonderful pearls of wisdom as a, a more experienced mom. We loved hearing all of them.
2: It was so fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you for joining us
2: today. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. You two are fun.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon. And there are three different levels to support us there.
1: Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at outnumberedthepodcast. We're always having fun over there too. As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week.